Welcome to the Pilgrim's Odyssey, your guide to life's wild ride. I'm your host, Silwan Green. Every day we share incredible stories and valuable lessons on life and faith. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to share this odyssey with your friends and neighbors so all of us together can let our light shine. Welcome friends to another episode of the Pilgrim's Odyssey. I'm your host, Silouan, and my head feels like a brick. <laughs> Yesterday was quite a day. I was up about 4.30, drove about two and a half hours, did a nine-hour class, drove home another two and a half hours, spent some time with the family, went to bed and woke up feeling like a brick. But it's all right. Praise Jesus. I love what I get to do. I love my wife. I love my kids. Just keep telling myself that as my head pounds. Today, we're talking about the power of humility, the cancer of pride. Now, why is that? Well, one of the topics I bring up quite a bit when I teach leadership classes is that, in my opinion and the opinion of many others, the most important characteristic of leadership is humility. Two of the examples I use in class, one from Tony Dungy, one from Jocko Willink. Tony Dungy was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, won a Super Bowl with him. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers when they won a Super Bowl. And he is asked in an all-pro dad video, what is the most important quality of leadership? And he doesn't hesitate. He says it is humility. It's humility. And the example he gives is his coach when he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chuck Knoll. Now, any of you all that can remember those old Steelers teams and Chuck Knoll, he was a big man. He looked like a football player. I was a Cowboys fan at the time, and I did not like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the last thing I would have used to describe the Steelers was humility. They were big, bad, tough. Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, Terry Bradshaw. But when Tony Dungy looks back, he sees humility. And what did that mean? That meant as a coach, when things went wrong, he took responsibility. When things went right, he gave the credit to the players. Tony Dungy said he was always trying to put the players first. He was always trying to raise leaders. It's no wonder so many great coaches came from that team. Tony Dungy, Mike Tomlin, Bill Cowher, Jocko Willink, former CEO of a SEAL team a SEAL team that was the most decorated SEAL team in Iraq and Afghanistan, one of the most decorated SEALs in the history of the Navy SEALs. Jocko Willink talks about the same sort of concept, but from a different side of the coin. He's basically asked, what makes a SEAL team leader fail? And it's basically the same answer as Tony Dungy, not humble, not humble, not willing to take ownership, not willing to take responsibility. Blaming the people below him, blaming the people above him. I love the way Jocko Willink puts it. You can't blame the people that you lead for failing because you didn't prepare them enough. You didn't get them ready. You didn't do your job. And you can't blame the people above you because maybe you didn't persuade them enough. Or you knew how they were and you had the job anyway. You got to look in the mirror. You got to take ownership. You got to look at your own weaknesses. So it's fundamental, whether you're a leader or a human being, to look in the mirror and go, what do I need to work on? Now, in my leadership classes, wherever I give them, I always do that. 
once I've sort of explained these concepts, I've showed the videos, given people time to think about it, you know, because it's really easy to kind of go through our days, especially as we get older, and lose that attitude of self-improvement, lose that attitude of what do I need to work on. You know, when we've had bad habits that have hurt us for a long time and shame and guilt and pride has not allowed us to deal with them, we start lying about them. We act like they don't exist. Now, usually when I do the classes, most of the people in the class, they can come up with some stuff they need to work on pretty easily, especially when I give them a minute to think about it. But some don't. There's always somebody... Not always. I get a few classes where everybody does a pretty good job of this. But there's always, you know, usually, and, and some classes are worse than others, um, you get people and you get to them and they literally look you in the eye and they're like, I don't need to work on anything. I'm good. And first of all, you know, I think to myself, like, are you serious? Are you serious? I don't think there's anything you need to work on. But then the next thought I almost always have is you're a scary dude. <laughs> you are scary. And usually they are. They are scary. You would not want to be married to them. You would not want them to be their dad. Because, you know, when people are like that, they are the hardest on other people. They are the hardest to please. And what's crazy is in that moment, most of the time, even though they're, you know, they're uncomfortable because they don't like the question and they're mad at you for asking it, they don't really seem to realize how small and foolish they look. How stupid they look in front of everybody else in that room who's had leaders like them and hated them. I mean, I don't care what you do. If you've ever had a leader that won't admit they're wrong, won't admit mistakes, they're never a good leader. I always ask, have you ever had a leader who won't admit they're wrong, who was good, that you look back on like, man, I would follow them to hell and back because they never admitted they were wrong. That doesn't happen. Never happens. Because you can't be a good leader. It's sad, really. It's sad. Unfortunately, though, with the kind of groups I deal with, when you got a leader like that, it's especially sad because you know that they lead the best of us, people willing to put their lives on the line. And unfortunately, they got a leader who sucks. That's just the way it is. It's too bad. I try my best to get through to them. Don't get me wrong. Now, how do you get there? How do you get to the point that you can't even look in the mirror and see what's glaringly obvious. Well, something the Bible talks about quite a bit. You know, you do a search for pride in the Bible, man, you are going to find stuff from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. Because pride, arguably, is the thing or a lack of humility that keeps us from God more than anything else. From Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom. And you know what's scary about the disgrace that comes with pride? A lot of times you lose everything before you realize it. You don't realize that when you become that kind of, you know, rear end who can't admit they're wrong, that as that distances you from the people you lead, the people you work with, your family, that and you're becoming more and more isolated and a disgrace to them. You don't even know it till it's too late. Now, with the humble comes wisdom, because humility allows you to listen. Wisdom is more than anything what we learn. It's not what we say. Being wise isn't you got an answer for everything. Being wise is you listen. I saw this article that was written once, and it was written about um, some just really smart people. Uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, a couple others like that. 
and it had video of them in interviews where they were asked tough questions. And what was interesting, and it was the point of the article, is that when they're asked tough questions, hard things to answer, they always pause. Almost to the point of an uncomfortable silence. Steve Jobs really did this. And a couple of them were asked about it. And it was always, I want to make sure I give a good answer. I want to make sure I heard correctly what I just heard. I want to consider it. That's what wise people do. They pause. They listen. And if you don't, and you just become full of pride and you get disgraced and you distance yourself from people, it gets worse and it gets worse. From Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. The more filled up you get with yourself, the lower you go. And you can see it. Whenever I travel and I do this and I happen to meet people that are just completely filled with pride. You can see it in their face. They don't even have to talk. I mean, one individual recently, I, I, mean, I mean, he was in a class that he didn't want to be in. It was like kind of a mandatory training. And literally, he sat there, and there were like shadows over his eyes, and his head was forward, and he was just glaring, like from the very beginning. And it, and it wasn't even at me, just glaring. And he had just this dark look. You could just tell. Because when you get cut off from people, when people stop holding you accountable, when you're allowed to just walk around and leer and be angry, it changes your appearance. It changes how you look. It's the opposite of living in the light. That is why never allow yourself to isolate because sometimes we can be isolated in our brokenness and feel like it's humility. But when we cut ourselves off from people, it's not humility, it's our ego. You know, it's ego to say, well, no one's going to understand me. and No one's been through what I've been through. Well, of course they have. And not only that, they don't have to have been through what you've been through to listen to you, to talk to you, to love you. And even in brokenness, we can begin to have big egos. And when we do and when we isolate, it changes us. Not just on the inside, it changes us on the outside. Now in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, here we are going all the way from the Old Testament and Proverbs to the end of the new in Revelation. For you, I say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And see, that's where they end up. Because everybody knows, man. Everybody in that room knows. And they're sitting there. I got nothing to work on. I'm good. I got no goals. I mean, one of, one of these people recently that said they had nothing to work on also said they had no goals. <laughs> like, I'm good. I have no goals. I have everything I need. I mean, you just want to bang your head against the wall. But, man, it's sad. I mean, it would be one thing if they were just alone. But they're, when they're responsible for other people's lives, ugh. But that's what happens. That's what pride will do to you. You're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I have everything I need. I'm good. And the realization is, the truth of it is, is you're not, you're wretched. Now, as I've gone through this, don't fall victim to going, well, that's not me. I'm not that horrible. I don't have that much pride. But we do sometimes when we, we do. I know I do. I know that's why I talk about it. I know, why, I know why that in a weird way when I see people like that and I see the end result of what our pride can be, it's always a check for me. It always is frightening because I look at my own pride and I understand how it could grow. You know, whether, whether it's 
my own anxiety, my relationship with my dear wife, my kids. You know, whenever there's problems or issues and I'm angry and I'm mad and I'm pointing fingers, when, when I'm able to step back and a day or two go by and look at what happened without the shroud of my anger, without the shroud of my pride, I almost always realize any problems were my fault. They were my fault. They were my fault. I'm anxious over things I shouldn't. I'm anxious over temporal things. I'm anxious, and I'm not thanking God for all that I have. When I'm arguing with my wife, I'm not listening. I'm being selfish. I'm traveling. I got things I want to do. I'm not thinking about her. I come home. She needs help. And all I'm thinking about is myself. And even if in a particular situation I might be right, I don't listen. I don't love. I don't do what I need to do to have that conversation. It is my fault. And then my kids. I look at my kids, the most important things to me on this earth, along with God and my wife. I see a fault they have. I get angry at them, and I realize, what have you been doing? What have you been teaching them? What example do they see in you? How do you act when you're tired? How do you act when you're angry? What words come out of your mouth? It's me. It's my pride. I'm grateful for people that can't answer the question, what do you need to work on? Because that's me. That's me when I'm at my worst. That's me when I'm at my lowest. And it's a reminder, there's only one way to God. There is only one way to being a good parent, to being a good husband, a good wife, to being a good worker, to getting your dreams, to getting what you want, and doing it in a way that lasts. Doing it in a way that it's not shrouded by all the bad things that pride can bring. And it's humility, and that is the power of humility, because when you're humble, there's nothing anybody can take away from you. When you're humble, you are grateful for breathing the power of humility and the cancer of pride. Your pride will infect you. It will infect others. And here's the great thing. All you got to do to be humble is get down on your knees. Ask the ones you love, your friends, the people you lead to forgive you. Acknowledge your faults. Break yourself. And you find power. And you find peace. And you find a life that lasts forever and you understand that when you're in the light of God with humility, you're not waiting for heaven. You're not waiting for the kingdom of God. It is here right now. Right now. That might be a good thing for you to do this weekend. Where do you need to humble yourself? What do you need to work on? Who do you need to ask to forgive you? In hindsight, who have you not listened to like you should? Who have you not loved like you should? Who have you not given the example like you should? Dig deep. Get down on your knees. If you do that, you will come out of this weekend on fire. On fire. And not your fire, not your energy, but God's faith, your family, love. That is life. That is life. And that is the power of humility. So until next time, my friends, I want you to aim high. Don't be like those broke people who got nothing they think they need to fix. Spread your wings. Spread your wings on the power of humility, of saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm going to work on this. And keep your eyes on the things that matter, the things that nobody can take away from you, the things that are most important to all of us. 
I am your host, Silouan. Have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday. Oh, and don't forget, support the Pilgrim's Odyssey. We got to reach more people. Become a patron. Thepilgrimsodyssey.podbean.com. Hit the patron link. Come on now. Let's let our light shine. Peace. You've been listening to The Pilgrim's Odyssey. Make sure you comment, share, and like this podcast so all of us together can let our light shine. For books, videos, and more content from me, your host, please visit Silouan.com. That is Silouan, S-I-L-O-U-A-N.com. Until your next visit on The Pilgrim's Odyssey, I'm your guide on life's wild ride, Silouan Green.